0: This week's episode of Inside Outside Innovation is sponsored by Glider. Glider is software that helps your product team put discovery at the center of your roadmapping process, helping you remove risk and drive value. Check it out at glider.io slash IO Podcast. Inside Outside Innovation is the podcast that brings you the best and the brightest in the world of startups and innovation. I'm your host, Brian Ardinger, founder of InsideOutside.io a provider of research, events, and consulting services that help innovators and entrepreneurs build better products, launch new ideas, and compete in a world of change and disruption. Each week, we'll give you a front row seat to the latest thinking, tools, tactics, and trends in collaborative innovation. Let's get started. Welcome to another episode of Inside Outside Innovation. I'm your host, Brian Ardinger, and with me today, Jeremy Lockhorn, with Sapient Razorfish out of the Seattle office. Jeremy and I go back a long time, back in our days of uh, digital signage and all this crazy stuff that's going on, and, and Jeremy's been in this space for a long time looking at innovation trends, and so happy to have Jeremy on the show today. Welcome.
1: Thanks, Brian. I'm excited to be here.
0: Thanks for having me. You had a chance to come out here for the Inside Outside Innovation Summit a couple, almost a month now. And I wanted to kind of share with the audience who didn't have a chance to get to the summit some of the things that you you shared that day and talking about this idea of this fourth industrial revolution. So with that, before we dig into the topic, why don't you give the audience a little bit of overview of your background and how you got involved in, in innovation and some of these new technology trends?
1: Yeah, absolutely. So I've been at Sapient Razorfish for just over 20 years and I've served a variety of roles for the last Call it 10 years. The focus has very much been on innovation and, and helping the company and our clients to understand kind of what's coming around the bend and specifically. I'm currently wearing three hats. First one is looking after our mobile practice with kind of a focus on application strategy, design, and development. Second hat is being a bit of a scout, Uh, you know, again, helping to figure out what's coming around the bend and and educate and evangelize. And then the third is a general innovation consultant for a lot of our clients who are going through their own, uh, you know, digital transformation. And, you know, what's interesting to me about all of that is, you know, the mobile role has given me, you know, a lot of deep insight into what's happening in that space. And it, it clearly has been probably the most disruptive technology over the last 10 years, um, maybe even bigger than that. And it, it's kind of at the core of so much of everything, and it tends to be at the core of a lot of these transformation initiatives as well.
0: Well, it's definitely launched industry after industry, and there's brand-new industries that weren't around 10 years ago because of the, the iPhone and counterparts around that. The fact that you can carry around a supercomputer in your pocket has we're a cool. tendency to change things.
1: We're actually we're recording this on the 11th anniversary of, uh, That's right. the, of the original iPhone. Yeah.
0: Yeah. My, my daughter was born 11 years ago, actually two weeks ago. So she just celebrated her 11th birthday. And I remember this was the first time I actually got to go out of the house was to go stand in an Apple store and and buy the first iPhone. So (laughs) she's she's literally the iPhone generation. So a lot has happened over the last 10 years. What are some of the kind of key things that maybe things that you didn't expect to happen early on, or, or some of the things that kind of opened your eyes to what's coming next around the bend?
1: It's been crazy to watch everything change, right? Um, in the last 10 years,
0: you know, I remember
1: thinking back to when Steve Jobs made the introduction of the iPhone. They scheduled it during CES that year, so it was in January of 2007, and uh, it was at you know Apple's own event, MacWorld. I think it was in California, San Jose. So I was at CES that year, and you know, CES is always a, a chaotic event. Um, The buzz tends to shift very quickly at the event. Um, There typically will be one product or one product category that sort of rises above the rest of the noise. We always talk about that as like this device or this thing won CES that year. And that year it was the iPhone, even though they weren't even there, you know, No, you would walk around and everybody was talking about the announcement that, that Apple just made. And so clearly a breakthrough technology to get that much attention at a trade show. That's all about gadgetry and, and technologies uh, without even having a presence there. But, you know, even then, I like, I don't feel like we yet even had a sense of how big it was going to be and how disruptive it was going to be. And every time you think that it peaked and we're getting a handle on it, something else breakthrough happens and it just takes things in a totally different direction.
0: The technology has evolved in that. Again, it's, it's hard to believe that was only 10 years ago a lot of times. It's almost become so seamless part of everybody's lives. And there's so many things that you do and rely upon that particular device. And so it's interesting to see or start thinking about even the next five years, what are some of the new things that are in your phone today that will create a new industry or define a new industry? So what are some of the things that you're seeing out there?
1: To your point, you know, I think the phone has quickly evolved to become the centerpiece, right? And We've been talking for years about the phone being sort of a universal remote for your life. And I think it's very true and increasingly that vision or or that sort of sci-fi talk track is, is becoming a reality. And talk about the fourth industrial revolution, which is a term that's been kicked around, you know, in the industry for a while. My interpretation of it or what I mean when I talk about that is just this intersection of all of these emerging technologies, you know, everything from artificial intelligence to smart home to connected in self-driving vehicles to wearables to AR and VR the smart speakers and like to go on and on and on. And what's interesting, at least in the near term, is the phone has a a role to play in every one of those. You think about smart speakers, for example, if you buy an Amazon Echo or an Echo Dot, you literally cannot set that thing up without first installing <laughs> right. the app on your phone. It's just interesting to see how crucial the phone has become and, and apparently how crucial it's gonna remain as we as we get into this this next cycle of both computing and industry revolution.
0: Well I think what a lot of people underappreciate or undervalues the fact that any one of those technologies, whether it's voice or AI or self driving cars that any one of those particular technologies could literally upset an industry or change the dynamics in multiple different ways. And yet they're all hitting virtually at the same time. And so if you thought the last 10 years was, fast-moving or disruptive. Just wait for the next 10 years. And
1: it's going to become a huge challenge for businesses as they start to adapt. Because to your point, if you look back, even past the smartphone revolution, there tends to have been a single technology or device that has dominated for periods of times, right? For the last 10 years, it was a smartphone. Before that, it was connected PCs and the internet. Before that, it was PCs. Before that, it was the mainframe, right? And now you look at all of these technologies that we were just talking about, to your point, it doesn't seem like a single one of them is going to be the thing, right? It seems like it's going to be this crazy interconnectivity and intersection of all of these things coming to bear. And for businesses, it means suddenly I don't have the option to pick and choose anymore. Like, I can't just do an app and a, and a mobile website. I've got to think about chat and artificial intelligence and natural language processing and how do I execute on AR and VR and, and so on and so forth. Because a, at the end of the day, the consumers are going to expect you to be where they are and to provide connection points in the way that they want to connect
0: with you. Absolutely. This week's episode of Inside Outside Innovation is sponsored by Glider. Glider is software that helps your product team put discovery at the center of your roadmapping process, helping you remove risk and drive value. Check it out at glider, G-L-I-D-R dot I-O slash podcast. And I think you talked about at the conference and other places you've talked about this idea that customers expect magic nowadays. And how can you deliver that magic for a customer and not just what you call parlor tricks? It comes down
1: to... You know, all of these technologies are getting to the point where they're able to create these truly magical experiences. And magic is a bit of a wishy-washy word, if you will. And where where it hits home for me is when you make things so simple that the, the interface almost fades into the background. That's where I think you start to get to this point of magic. And I'll give a couple of examples. You know, there was a demo at CBS this year of Whirlpool, who had acquired Yumly last year, showcasing some integration of the Yumly recipe platform into some of the various kitchen appliances. So the scenario that they were demoing was you've got an iPad in the kitchen with you know the recipe database on it you're cooking a complicated casserole with pasta and cheese and meat. As you're going through the recipe it's going to turn on the oven automatically at the right time to the right temperature so that you can bake when you reach that point point. and then when you're done with dinner it's going to automatically set the dishwasher to the heavy soil pots and pans setting because it knows that you just cooked a cheesy casserole and that's a magical experience. I don't have to make those choices anymore or program those settings anymore. The, the system just knows. Second example, again, from a trade show at Mobile World Congress last year, um, Hertz had a demo where the phone was your key to get into the car, to start the vehicle, but also it would immediately personalize all of the settings in the vehicle based on your profile that you had established in your Hertz profile. So set the seats to the right place, sync your entertainment and your calendar so that the nav system in the car knows where you're going and can automatically pull up directions to your hotel or to your next meeting or wherever it may be, and then ultimately to allow you to pay for things like gas and parking without having to get out and swipe a credit card.
0: The idea of personalization and the fact that you have all this data now and companies have this data and it resides in different places, but the ability to kind of coordinate and collaborate across different companies and across different data sources and that you never had that opportunity before. So it'll be interesting to see how that kind of comes together. In your opinion, are the companies that are going to win are the ones that are good at that anticipation of what the customer needs are and then building for what even the customer doesn't even know they need?
1: Yeah, I think that's going to become a crucial... Capability for businesses in general, the, the ability to predict and, and deliver against needs before people ask. And it's a concept that I call clairvoyant services or clairvoyant marketing. The other way that I, that I often talk about it is it, it's sort of a shift from instant gratification to clairvoyance, right? We're taught everybody in the digital world, especially with mobile, that you can get answers to any question, anytime, anywhere, and Q-taps into a search engine or voice into a search engine increasingly. But soon it's like that's not going to be fast enough or good enough. And, you know, again, like one example of this that I always use is today Google Maps or Waves can send you a push notification when it's time to leave for your next meeting because it has access to your calendar, it knows the location of that meeting, and it knows the traffic conditions between where you're at and where that meeting is. The next evolution of that, and it's not too big of a leap, is for that push alert to say, okay, it's time to leave for the meeting, and I've called a rideshare, and it's waiting for you outside. Right. And it, you know, again, it, that removes friction, but it also predicts what you're going to need and, and delivers it before you even ask. Once that becomes commonplace on the device, and I don't think we're far off, it's gonna fundamentally shift what people expect from any kind of digital interaction. Anything that is not that clairvoyant is gonna feel like a miss. It's gonna feel unmagical.
0: It's gonna jar you. I mean, going back to the yeah. idea of magic, you know, the first time you kind of hailed Uber for the first time, and the fact that you could pull up your phone and see the car, and, and within two minutes it would pop in front of your door, that was kind of like a magical experience. And so like take that to the next level in the next five years, or where. You know, it anticipates not only the car, but you know whatever else is in and around that particular thing. You know, we talked a little bit about this idea of collaboration or connectedness. How do you see corporations and, and companies navigating that? If you think about R&D and innovation in the past, a lot of times in the past, you could do that yourself. You could find the right team, build it yourself, launch something into the world and, and have adoption in that. Now with this interconnectedness and different technologies and everything else, it seems to me that the idea of collaboration is going to become much more important to companies in that. So how do you see that playing out?
1: Yeah, it's a great it's a great question and and I think you're spot on. Things are moving so quickly and technology is disrupting so many different things that it's hard for especially large established organizations to keep up with that pace of change. And so I think collaboration is is crucial and you know you're seeing increasing efforts to bring in outside thinking and and to sort of create new kinds of partnerships to enable companies to adapt to that pace of change and and to drive innovation. So I think that collaboration is going to be a crucial piece of the the ecosystem.
0: Who's doing it well right now? Are there any particular companies that stand out or particular examples that seem to be navigating it better than others?
1: Some of the brands that we've been working with, I can highlight a few, whether it's Mercedes-Benz and some of the things that they've been doing to enable interconnectivity between the user, the driver, their phone and the vehicle building in what are now common connected car features like remote start, uh, remote unlock, remote lock, synchronize your navigation settings into the vehicle and, and that kind of thing. Those experiences, they once were sort of a novelty and they once were sort of you know breakthrough and now they're becoming commonplace. So they're always trying to innovate and find what is that next thing.
0: And Um, they're also clunky, too. A lot of times, you (laughs) on the early side, you had to do a lot more manual effort to get that to sync or get it to work. But now, like you said, it's becoming more seamless.
1: Yeah, and that's been a huge focus, right? Is how do you make that experience as seamless as possible? And again, to remove as much friction from that as possible. Another example I would highlight is our clients at, uh, at Patron Tequila. And, you know, one of the things that they were very early on was voice. And uh, as a as a brand like that, you know, one of the most compelling ways that you can engage with your end customers in this fragmented digital world is to provide some sort of utility to those customers. Part of the strategy that we had with them was building a, what we call a cocktail lab, which is a huge aggregation of cocktail recipes from bartenders and mixologists around the world featuring tequila, and a bunch of other ingredients. And that's been accessible from their website for a while. We also built a skill for Amazon Echo for Alexa that allows the user to access that database as well in my Alexa in the room. Just by using your voice, you can can speak to the machine and, and access those cocktail recipes from the cloud.
0: I love the experimentation that's taking place in the marketplace, and I think we'll just see the, that increase as as these uh, technologies hit and, and continue to move forward. So on that note, what's next for you? What's next for Razorfish in the next couple of months that we should be paying attention to?
1: Continue trying to push and lots of experimentation that's ongoing with AR, VR, voice, and, and all of these technologies.
0: Well, Jeremy, thanks for being on the show. If people want to find out more about Supine Razorfish, about yourself, or Connect, What's the best way to do that?
1: I would say hit up com or social channels. You can find me at, at New Media Geek on Twitter. I'm pretty active there, and that's probably the best place to find me.
0: Sounds great. Well, Jeremy, thanks again for being on the show. Look forward to uh, continued conversations as the world changes around us, and uh, thanks again for being part of Inside Outside Innovation. Yeah, thanks for having me. That's it for another episode of Inside Outside Innovation. If you want to learn more about our team, our content, our services, Check out insideoutside.io, or follow us on Twitter at the IO Podcast or at Ardinger. Until next time, go out and innovate.